Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. guys and welcome back to another episode of A Millennial Mind. Today I'm really excited to introduce you all to Renji Bajoy, the CEO and founder of Immersed. So hi Renji. Hey. I'm very excited to speak to you today. I feel like I've waited a long time to finally do this yeah. Yeah, sorry for keep pushing, so I'm glad I found you. <laughs> no, I'm really excited to uh, have this conversation with you. I think loads of people are going to be really interested in your company and what you've built. So for people who don't know anything about your company or don't know anything about you, just give us a little bit of an introduction as to what you've set up. Yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, so uh, like you mentioned, I'm the founder and CEO of Immersed. Um, I started Immersed about five years ago, um, but for context, we're partnered with Facebook or now Meta um, and Microsoft and HTC and others to build VR offices. And so um, as of today, I mean, there are tens of thousands of people who work in VR as sort of their uh, main home base for work. And so um, you know, thousands work 40 to 50 hours a week. Yes, with a headset on two to four hour mm-hmm. sessions at a time, uh, similar to how you sit in front of the computer screen two to four uh, hours at a time and you go take a break, come back. Uh, our users do the same thing, but they put a headset on. And so um, what it looks like is uh, essentially our software um, pairs or connects your computer uh, to your headset. So when you put the headset on, it uh, communicates with your laptop, whether it be a Mac, PC, or Linux computer. It uh, virtually spawns five screens, uh, creates five screens virtually. Um, and so you have a portable workstation, right? You can take your headset and your laptop to your couch or your porch or if you're on the road and you have five screens with you at all times. Um, but on top of that, uh, for highly collaborative teams like software engineers or designers or whatever, they could beam into your space as if you were sitting side by side and coders could code together around all of their screens as if they were physically in the in the office, even though they're remote or designers could get into the same space. They could whiteboard together. They could design on Photoshop together using their separate computers. And it quite literally feels like they're in the office together. And so um, it's been really cool to see um, just uh tens of thousands of people using this as a sort of their uh, main way to get around the issues that COVID had brought as far as people having to work from home. Um, and the hope is that, you know, uh, in, in the next couple of years, the definition of what it means to go to work would be putting on a pair of Apple glasses or, or Facebook glasses mm. and teleport to the virtual office. It's so interesting that you said you started this five years ago, because I feel like people are only really hearing about VR now. But as a really basic definition, what is VR? What is the metaverse? What is this virtual world that everyone's working in? And just give us a little bit of an insight into the details of it, because I think you've obviously been in in this for like five years. People are just hearing of it now. And I think a lot of people are skeptical and don't really understand it. 
Yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. So, <clears throat> yeah, I started five years ago because a lot of the underlying technology uh, to even make it possible to get into the same space together um, hadn't already been built. Like when you think of people who are building websites, you know, like mm. Facebook.com or other things, like a lot of the plumbing was already there. Like a lot of the um, platform for you to build a website, put it online and then grow that company. The internet was already there. Like uh, oftentimes, right. uh, you know, or you're just building just your specific application. Um, you're not having to worry about browsers working or laptops working. Like other companies are focusing on that. Whereas for VR, uh, especially in the early days of Immerse, there wasn't any of the plumbing as far as users connecting to one another or screen sharing or wireless connectivity connectivity or, or spawning virtual screens. None of that stuff existed. So the first three years was just us just trying to build it, like let alone get wow. users. And so um, that's why we had to start a little bit early. Um, and we weren't able to time when VR would become more ubiquitous, which, you know, VR, you know, there's, these are the different generation of headsets over the course of time. Right. And, uh, my Oculus quest is in this one here, which is the latest headset, but, um, yeah, like, uh, people, I, I guess you're right. Like a lot of people don't really know what VR is cause they've never really tried it. And then those who have mm -hmm. tried it, they tried it back in like 2016 or something when it would cause nausea, it would be slow and just like pixelated. Um, but VR today is pretty mind blowing. Like I put it on my mom uh, a few months ago and she was just mind blown. Like she just felt like she was just in another world. And so, um, yeah, pixel density on the screens, like you're putting this headset on, you have lenses, you just, you feel like you're in another world. Cause every time you uh, move your head with the headset on, it's not like the screen refreshes. So it looks like you're, you're like, yeah, the, the world kind of rotates around you, but it quite literally just feels like you're putting headset on and you're just in another world. And so, yeah. um, yeah, it, it, the, the hardware has gotten so good to the point where there, there is no such thing as nausea in VR anymore for the past couple of years. Um, it's not pixelated anymore. And so it's really, really cool to see how Facebook and Apple and others are creating these thin visor headsets mm. um, that, you know, Apple is announcing theirs later this year. And just yeah. uh, people don't realize what that means when Apple gets into something like I remember um, when Apple came out with AirPods, um, you know, Bluetooth earphones were a thing for five years before Apple ever got in. But as soon yeah. as Apple created AirPods, everyone was using Bluetooth earphones without realizing these are considered Bluetooth earphones and uh, mm -hmm. AirPods made more revenue than Netflix and some of these other massive companies combined, just this one product. So all that to say, mm -hmm. now that Apple is uh, going to be announcing their VR headset this year, that it's going to be this thin visor sleek thing. Uh, people don't realize we're stepping into a new world. So I'm super grateful that, yeah. you know, we've been here to, you know, for the past five-ish years, you know, we've raised about $12 million. I'm closing on like another 30 to $50 million right now uh, to grow the company to be at about a hundred people this year. And so we're really making pretty big moves this year. I'm pretty excited about that. So how did you think of the idea? I mean, you didn't, you thought of this five years ago, COVID happened three years ago, which is honestly just perfect timing for a product like this. Mm -hmm. Everyone was struggling to work from home. People had mm -hmm. no idea that VR even existed, I think, like three or four years ago, majority of people. Yeah. How did you even think of this idea and start to execute yeah. it? Yeah, so uh, at least COVID hit uh, here in the US about two years ago. So the first three years, I was building something that people thought was a toy. And then for the past two years, uh, you know, people started understanding, oh, wow, this is actually extremely useful. Um, so five years ago, when I started uh, working on this, uh, before I knew exactly what I was going to build, I just remember um, trying to look around the world and like notice different problems that I had and the solutions to those problems. And if um, those solutions were appropriate for the problem, what I mean by that is, so for example, for me, um, before I started Immersed, I was a lead software architect. I just, I coded big software solutions. Uh, I led teams to do that for other companies. Um, but most of the time, half of my team, if not more, were already remote, like just because it was convenient as a coder, 
technically you don't have to necessarily be in the office. It's just, you know, collaboration goes down maybe 50%, but you know, a lot of people liked the convenience of working from home and this was way before COVID. So, um, back then we would use Skype to get into our meetings instead of zoom. But, um, I remember for those of us, for the half of us who were in the uh, conference room and we were whiteboarding together and we'd have to Skype in our coworkers who were working from home. Um, it was just very clear that those who were working from home were disconnected, disengaged. They didn't really care about being in that meeting. They weren't really contributing anything. And I was just like, there's gotta be a better way to get people who are working remote in the same space with us so they could actually be part of the conversation. And so I just, I knew that video conferencing and chat could not be the state of the art in the 21st century. And so um, I had heard about VR about five years ago. I, I'd never like really, I'd, I'd never tried it at that point. I remember buying a Google cardboard, which is that like cardboard looking thing up there. It's literally just, you put your phone in it and it has plastic lenses on it. It's like this $20 thing you can buy on like the internet. And um, I tried it, it was like blurry, ugly, whatever thing, but I understood the vision. I understood like where things could go from there. And I was like, man, if there's a way I can get people in the same space together, I get our screens in there, our whiteboards in there, this could actually be something that we could actually use to level the playing field for people who are in person versus remote um, on our collaborative team. And so I, co I coded our first prototype of it um, within about six weeks. I showed it to investors and uh, that was the first time any sort of wireless screens were uh, being rendered in a virtual environment from a laptop. And uh, yeah, I showed it to investors. They understood the vision and uh, we were off to the races at that point. Oh my God, it's so crazy. It's like what you just said, everyone thought you were building a toy. You must have had a lot of negativity and a lot of people that were confused yeah. as to what you were doing, especially if you yeah. were doing the, with your own investment at the time. I guess every startup, you have to invest your own money at first. And it's mm -hmm. not just about the money, it's your time. Did you have a full-time job or did you just go all in on this? Um, I had quit my full-time job about a year and a half before I committed full-time to Immerse, meaning like I was just tinkering for a year and a half. So, you know, by God's grace, I had actually uh, uh, really kind of hit the, uh, I climbed the technological corporate ladder very quickly, like out of undergrad. Um, it was maybe a year and a half out of undergrad by the time I went from um, entry level to mid to senior and then lead architect. So I was like 23 uh, 23 and a half by the time I was a lead software architect. So I felt like I hit somewhat of a ceiling in my career. I didn't want to continue working on, I was work, working on these different time waster apps. And I was like, this is kind of pointless. Like, yeah, it's cool. That's getting millions of eyeballs, but it seems like kind of a gimmicky thing to build. So I quit that, left that world. Um, and actually focused on a PhD at Georgia tech in computer vision and machine learning. So self-driving cars, autonomous drones, things like that. But wow. that was taking forever too, because a PhD would have been eight years. Um, and, uh, the people who were there in the drone lab with me, uh, I could tell they were just, they enjoyed tinkering with stuff. They didn't really want to like change the world. And I was like, all right, you guys are smart, but you're kind of don't really care about anything outside your little bubble. Um, right. and so I was like, this is not the environment for me either. Corporate America didn't work out. Uh, the research world didn't work out. And so I was like, I think I just need to go build something on my own. And then that's when I, um, decided, all right, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to work full time at some corporate company that where I don't fit. I'm not going to do research. Um, and so, yeah, I, I uh, when I started Immersed, I had been living off the savings for about a year and a half. Um, and, you know, by God's grace, I had probably five to seven years worth of runway for me to just kind of do what I wanted to do. And, um, but fortunately, maybe after about, yeah, like six weeks of uh, creating this prototype and showing this to investors, we had, uh, had, paid, had a paycheck again. So It's so crazy. You, so when you were going through this stage where everyone thought you were building a toy, you just quit mm -hmm. your PhD. You had quit a job before that. 
How did you deal with people's comments or did people, were people just not saying anything to you? Because I can just imagine if I did that, there'd be so much negativity. Like, why are yeah. you sticking to one thing? Why are you jumping from like thing to thing? Like, why aren't you pers persevering? You know, you don't yeah. have any savings. You've just quit to just build something that's a toy. Like, how did you deal yeah. with that? Yeah. Um, so, so fortunately I, I, I did have the savings so that people like, it's not like my parents were crazy worried because they're like, yes. all right, after five years, if you run out of money, then you better go get a job. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, right. uh, I, I got four years to figure things out. Right. And so, um, it, yeah, I, I just like, it was very clear to me that the, the people who were telling me that they didn't understand what I was building or the people who were telling me that like, they thought I was working on like some game or toy or something were when I kind of observed their lives and kind of what the things that they were working on, like what, what those mm -hmm. things were, I knew I didn't really want to recreate my life to be similar to look like to look like theirs. Meaning if you want, if you want extraordinary results, you can't do the ordinary thing. Right. So like, uh, if, if I'm trying to be the world's next Elon Musk or something, I can't like go work at a nine to five job and then invest all my yeah. money in real estate. That's what everyone does. Like, and not everyone <laughs> is Elon Musk. And so, um, for me, what I need to do is I need to look at those who have been able to accomplish great things. And so I started learning a ton about, um, you know, from from old videos of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk and others. And uh, as I learned about their journey, they I, I started noticing that they also went through those same disillusionment phases with a lot of their friends and family. And so um, for me, what I realized was, okay, maybe you don't understand what I'm working on, um, but let me get into get around circles of others who've done this before me. So I went through this program called Techstars. I'm wearing the, the hoodie still um, five years ago. And uh, Techstars was awesome because, and, and for context, uh, there, there are these things called accelerator programs. They're put on for startups to go through and have mentors, advisors, other people who understand that world well. Mm -hmm. um, and there's these couple of accelerator programs. One's called Y Combinator, another one's called Techstars, and those are the world's top two accelerator programs. So, uh, immersed my company, uh, essentially me at the time, uh, was uh, I was a finalist at both Y Combinator and Techstars. And, and for context, like companies like Airbnb, Dropbox, Reddit, Twitch, Stripe, those all went through Y Combinator. Then companies like Uber, ClassPass, Twilio, SendGrid, DigitalOcean, those all went through Techstars. So um, right. I, I was grateful because I was a finalist at both. And uh, Y Combinator had a very product-focused program. Techstars had a very business-focused program, but I already had a product background. So I needed to learn the business side. I needed to learn legal, hiring, finance, fundraising, marketing, et cetera. And so decided to go through Techstars. And uh, I found out that about 10,000 companies worldwide applied to Techstars and only 10 got in. And so I was one of the 10 in 2017. Oh so the fact God. that I was, yeah, I, I was super grateful. Like the fact that I was surrounded by some of the world's most brilliant founders um, was helpful for me to not feel um, like my friends and family around me don't understand what I'm doing, that like there's actually oh. something wrong with me because they were like, hey, we all went through, through this too. So it was, it was helpful yes. to have that click of people who understood that world that you're going through. There's so many things you mentioned there. So the first is like, I completely agree with you. So the people you speak to is really important because often we often speak to people who are just not specialists in that field. And so we're just speaking to like a doctor about business yeah. and they have no idea. So the, the people you speak to should really be the people that you want to be like, or the people you think yeah. have the right skills to give you that advice. And secondly, what you say about being extraordinary and surrounding yourself with the right people, you know, everyone always says you are the sum of your five friends. You know, if you surround yeah. yourself with intelligent people, people who want to grow, people who are, you know, perseverant people who are determined, then you're going to pick up those traits. If you surround yourself with people that are lazy, people that just watch TV all the time, people who just <laughs> you know, don't really care about things, then you're going to have those views too. So you really are the sum of your five people. And I think it's so important to have a good environment around you. And often I think if you look at those who have succeed, succeeded, 
every one of them has failed. So like mm. often people will say that, you know, oh, they've tried so many different things. Every single entrepreneur who's done well, you know, look at Elon Musk, any of these people that you're mentioning, Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. they've all failed at some point in their life, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're around yeah. those kind of people, whenever you have a mishap or you have something that you're just quitting, people will, you'll actually feel more comforted. And another point you mentioned, which I really liked was what, knowing when to quit at the right time. Often we are just stuck in something and we think we should just persevere with it, even if we think it's not benefiting us. So your PhD could have taken you seven years and you could have thought, no, I'll just stick at it because I've committed to it. But knowing when to leave is actually a great skill. Yeah. How did you know when it was the right time to leave all your things? Um, once I realized that I was nothing like the people around me, uh, once it dawned on me that, um, that I guess for me, like I'm not the type of person that ga- caves into peer pressure. I'm not the type of person who, right. uh, just wants to do things that other people are doing. Like yeah. sometimes what pe- other people are doing is the right thing to look at. Like, for example, when I play basketball, I shouldn't invent my own way or my own style necessarily, maybe look at the pros and see kind of how they do things. And then there's mm-hmm. some aspects of different bits and pieces you can take from them. And then you kind of form your own. Uh, style of basketball. So I'm not reinventing the way I play basketball. But when it comes yeah. to uh, innovating, innovating and creating new companies, it's very difficult to find something prescriptive out there, another person who's done it before you exactly. Um, right. And instead, so now I'm taking bits and pieces from different founders. But when it came to people in corporate America, and I was hearing that all my coworkers who were software engineers were just taking all their money and investing in real estate. And that's what they thought success looked like. Um, and then I went to the PhD lab and uh, everyone there was just, they just love tinkering with tech and that's cool too, but I want to do something with it. Um, and they didn't, it was just very clear that our passions weren't aligned. And so I just, I knew I was in the wrong environment. So I just, I left, I actually had checked out a couple of different, uh, startups when I had left that, uh, research lab and, mm-hmm. uh, I, I started noticing, okay, you guys think a little bit more similarly, similarly to how I do before I got into tech stars, I was just checking out the, um, the, the tech startup um, mm. ecosystem in Atlanta, which is where I was living at the time. Um, and yeah, it was cool to kind of hear from other founders, their stories about around why they quit their jobs and why they're building what they're building. Uh, I didn't stick around to uh, working for one of those companies because I didn't necessarily align with their long-term vision or their yeah. approach to execution. Um, because yeah, I mean, building a startup, it's like a 98% failure rate. And so most founders you meet will have a company that just doesn't do well. So, uh, and, and as I look back in time, uh, those startups that I'd hung out with in Atlanta before Techstars, um, you know, six years ago, uh, they're not around today. So I guess I had a little right. bit level of discernment finding out that, okay, it was cool to kind of hear the heart behind what they're working on. doesn't mean that you're going to go be the, you know, the next Elon Musk, but um, I was able to, uh, I guess, take bits and pieces and realize that, okay, I guess the tech startup world is the place that it made that makes sense for me. So let me do some research and see where are the best people in this tech startup world. And that's where I found out about Y Combinator and Techstars. You just seem so driven and so passionate about what you're doing. And, and I love that. And I think people who are watching this and listening to this will kind of pause here and be like, okay, so you've built this amazing VR tool, right? Is that correct? The tool. Correct. Yeah. What on earth is the metaverse and how yeah. is it going to be used in the metaverse? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, immersed, uh, it started off as just a tool. It started off as something that I just wanted to use with me and my remote team. Um, right. cause yeah, I mean, we're about 25 ish people right now. Um, half of us are in Austin, Texas, and the other half are remote around the U.S. and remote around the world. So those of us who are remote, we put the headset on and we're sitting side by side as if we're actually in the office together. Um, whenever we want to collaborate, we put, throw a screen up and we all share and, and we get to discuss and, and point and click and whatever. Um, and so that's kind of what that feature set looks like in the short term. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of the next phase is as more and more enterprise companies want to onboard their teams onto uh, sort of this VR office solution, 
Um, that's when things start to mature a little bit more. Um, similar to like how Zoom is it's a little bit more, you know, video conferencing is a little bit more than just a yeah. feature. It's, yeah, they have things like breakout rooms, they have things like chat yeah. features and whatever. They have teams on Zoom. Uh, for us, we just don't see Zoom as the long-term uh, goal for telepresence, uh, remote telepresence. Uh, we see VR as sort of that way to have presence, even though we're remote. So um, e even kind of bigger than that, as we branch out from just uh, the work context, we go to virtual happy hours, virtual events, uh, vir virtual conferences, virtual worlds, um, where you're kind of doing anything and everything, right? Like as of right now, actually, there's actually a pretty fun fact. Uh, my my product, Immersed, is the mm -hmm. world's most widely used or, or, or most used per user product on the VR market today. Wow. Meaning there just isn't another VR app out there where people are spending 40 plus hours every week in it. That just doesn't exist. Like any any VR game, you might see games of like Beat Saber or like some of these like first person shooters. Mm -hmm. Unless you're like a pro gamer, you're not spending 40 hours a week in it. You might spend like two to five hours a week in a game. Um, but because people are literally just sitting there working, doing their day job in VR with their remote team, um, that's why our app has the most usage per user on average. So um, all that to say, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you see a concern with that? So, you know, a lot of people are concerned around the metaverse and we already spend a lot of time digitally online, right? We're always on our phones. Yeah. We're so affected by social media. People feel like there's an addiction, actually, that you can't even put your phone down. So do you think that us constantly being with having a headset on is actually going to cause us more problems uh it's, it's i laugh because uh it's it's like it's almost like one of those um age old fallacies from the standpoint of like i i saw this picture uh, you probably have seen this before too of this meme where parents are like pointing at their kids saying you're always on your phone and then you look yeah. at like a 1960s pictures of everyone with the newspapers up on the bus yeah. um and it's like everyone in a sense no matter what time period uh, they will use their form of technology however they want. So there's some people who have actually very strong, healthy habits with their phones. Um, even mm -hmm. for me, for example, I was actually afraid to get my Apple Watch because my, my, my assumption was that, oh, if I get notifications on my watch all the time, then I'm gonna be constantly aware of my phone. But little right. did I know, actually having an Apple Watch made me less uh, use my phone less because I can actually look at the notification, see if it's important, and if it's not important, then I just I don't answer it right away. I just I I'm, I'm mentally aware that hey I'm wow. notified, I'll get back to it later. Whereas before my Apple Watch, I had just my phone, and so every mm -hmm. time I got a notification, I'd look at it instead of making the decision of should I answer this, I'm like oh, I'm already on my phone, I might as well answer it real quick, and then you know move on with my life. But I ended up spending more time on my phone. So likewise, I see that same progression in VR as well. So um, for me, I don't see uh, VR as the thing that we're trying to get people to spend 168 hours of their week in VR or even 120 or even 100. Um, for me, I look at the metaverse as a way for people to get their work done more productively. Like you have a private distraction-free workspace and hopefully you get way more time back to your real life, right? So I don't see uh, the metaverse as a place where you sh should go escape. I'm not trying mm -hmm. to build second life. I'm not trying to build Sims or anything in VR necessarily. I care about uh, creating a world where it's more effective, more efficient for business, for practical use cases. Like for example, I get to do a quick meeting, let me put my glasses on, uh, I'm teleported in the same space as someone else. So I didn't have to spend time on the road commuting. I didn't have to fly somewhere. Um, I got to just put on my glasses and then now I'm back home. So all that to say, um, the metaverse is something, if you watch the movie, movie Ready Player One, uh, Steven Spielberg directed it. It's about this you know, metaverse world 20 years from now. Um, yeah. He does a great job painting a picture of it, but most of the people in that world who are spending that much time in the metaverse are actually playing games. You don't right. see people like just existing and hanging out with people necessarily yeah. unless they're just gamers. So, And you say that it makes you more productive. So you've just given examples of how it can make you more efficient. You know, you're saving time on the road. You just jump in in a call with someone. How can it make you more productive? 
Yeah. So uh, even right now, the, the main use case for Immerse today, uh, people spend the uh, ninety percent of our users mainly use it just for solo work. They don't even use it with their teams. Uh, quite literally, like it's funny because it's not it's not even just techie people. Um, you know, we have like probably six or seven non-techie people on my team. You know, someone in sales, someone who's on community management, someone who's a recruiter, etc. And uh, they've gotten so used to using Immerse to the point where they just don't feel as productive if they're using just their one computer screen without a headset on. When they have the headset on because they have so many screens and the, the whole world is um, blocked out and they can just focus on their work, um, it just makes them more productive. We have students who are uh, ADHD from in their high school classes and they put on the headset in order to be way more focused and actually enjoy getting their work done. So all that to say, it's, it's a product that we've created that enables you to enter a mode of deep work more frequently and for longer periods of time. Um, and, and really the, the hope is that we're ultimately able to continue making the product even better so that um, it's just very, it's like an easy reflex for you to put it on, get focused, get your work done, take it off and then move on with the rest of your life. So one of my next points is actually something that I heard in a debate. So people are struggling with the idea of constantly being online and how it's actually reducing their social interaction you know they're worried that they're not going to be able to interact with humans anymore a lot of people are saying now you know i'm always on social media and have a different personality on social media than i do in real life and you can hide behind a personality i guess online and so do you think that's going to be a concern with people going into the metaverse and people having a different identity i guess in vr yeah so uh, there's going to be two things uh, as far or two identities that people usually will have, depending on what you're doing. So if you're a person who uses VR specifically for practical things like work or networking or whatever, mm-hmm. you're probably not really, really going to use the feature of anonymity. That's usually on the gaming side. Because, um, for example, like you don't want if, if you have your, you know, your 13 year old son in uh, VR, you probably don't want someone who's 40 years old, like playing with them and like know who they actually are in the real world. You probably want your kids to be anonymous. But um, as soon as you enter into a networking event where, you know, uh, real uh, identification is important uh, and people need to know who you really are, then that's where you kind of have those practical use cases. And I was even thinking about what does the the maturation of Facebook look like in the metaverse, right? Like what if there was such a thing as a 3D Facebook, right? Like the cool thing is Facebook uh, back in the day when it first came out, I remember I was connecting with people from like middle school and kindergarten and like people who I haven't connected with in decades. And I was thinking about, okay, a 3D version of that. If I'm just like, walking around in the metaverse and like i see someone from like my childhood i'm like oh dude david let's catch up like i haven't seen you in so long i feel like if anything it actually helps me with social interaction right so as long as we're talking about the um the the accountable um real authenticated uh identified side of things where your real your your real identity you're you're connecting with people who you've met Mm -hmm. with before in the past or even new people who can kind of put um, the virtual you along with the real you and there's a level of accountability there because um, yeah for sure if, if people are completely anonymous only uh, you can live a completely second life and uh, a double life and I'm just not a fan yeah. of that uh, I understand that games need that to protect children mm-hmm. but other than that I personally don't really care for it that's a pretty good explanation I think that will clear up so much and it's definitely helped me so yeah. you're creating mm-hmm. your own workplace in the metaverse as other companies are creating their own workplaces if I were to be in your workplace, can I transport to another? Do you think that there's going to be one world where people can transport to each different site? Yeah, so uh, we're going to essentially recreate what's available in the real world, uh, except for you don't need to commute wow. there. Um, if you you know have accessibility issues, you have disabilities, and you can't physically go somewhere, now you have access to every company on the planet. So um, yeah, I mean, if you're 
uh, co-working with other people who work at different companies. We have virtual cafes even today at Immerse. Like people use Immerse today to fight isolation. Even though they're doing their own work, they don't have any of their screen shared. They're just in our public rooms. Um, they go to these virtual cafes and they're, they see other people moving there. They're not necessarily interacting unless they want to, um, but you see people, some someone off in the distance and you're just, you're getting your work done because everyone else is. And so we're creating these cohorts of people who um, are able to go between different spaces, whether it be uh, your company's office or uh, usually people's private company offices are off limits to other people. They just close them. Um, and so we give users that ability, but at the end of the day, it really depends on the company. If you're a co-working company, then I would for sure understand if you open up your, your room for other people to you know, join. People are actually getting a bit worried now. I had someone that was telling me that, you know, what's going to happen to all these property, uh, properties in the, in the city, you know, are all these commercial buildings just going to go? Cause are people just going to sit at home with a headset on? <laughs> so how likely is it that every single yeah. office in London is going to shut down in the next 10 years? You know, I think people are having, yeah. having these worries at the moment cause they're thinking, well, we've got this office. Lockdown has actually shown us we can all work from home. Do we just give our, all of our employees Oculus headsets and do they just start working in VR? You know, how likely is this going to happen in the next yeah, um, five to 10 years, do you think? Yeah, I mean, to be real, like, especially when glasses come out, um, I think no matter what, like, there's still value in having sharing a meal with someone. You're not going to do that in the metaverse. Um, and so having, having a hybrid offices, I like that idea instead of, either fully remote or just fully on site. I think hybrid's important because different people have different, um, I guess, the, the proclivities or different um, preferences. And at the end of the day, like uh, provide what works best for people to be the most productive, right? And so um, there are pros and cons with each, right? Like for those of us who want to only work from home, all right, well then you won't be able to build as deep relationships with people who are in the office because you can't share a meal with them, you can't hang out with them, you're not physically there. Um, but when it comes to getting the work done, you can still get your work done. Uh, personally and collaboratively. And so um, I don't think that uh, offices are going to completely become obsolete uh, in the real world. I think that there will continue to be somewhat of a hybrid approach. But um, what I will say is, I think that real estate prices won't continue to skyrocket. I don't think that people will uh, continue to have more and more reasons to uh, spend way more on living expenses just to be as close as possible to a downtown mm -hmm. city center. Um, I think that people will have, I think, I think real estate prices will flatten out a little bit and be more uh, democratized slash decentralized slash accessible. Um, I won't need to have to live in New York City to work at the New York office. I can just put on my glasses. And for those of us, those who wanted the New York experience, they could live in Manhattan downtown. They can go physically into the office. They'll put on their glasses along with everyone else who is physically there. And then those who are all remote will put on their glasses as well. And it'll feel like we're all together. Um, so all that to say, like, I don't think it'll just uh, obliterate the need for any sort of downtown office. I just think that uh, based on companies' preferences, like companies can be flexible in the idea that it's not um, completely required to have a downtown office to have productive teams. Um, and so you don't have to give up a ton of money as a company to, to pull that off. While at the same time, some people want to have the in-person collaborative experience that actually allows them to um, build more than just their product, but build relationships Absolutely. together. Too. I think, you know, everything that you're saying just sounds so exciting to me. And I think that people who are skeptical think it's either one way or the other, right? Either you're going to be totally in this VR world and never take your headset off and you're just going to constantly be living in a different world or you're actually going to be in person. And yeah. I think it doesn't have to be either or. I think it can be, like you say, it can be both and. It can be a hybrid. It can be the best of both. So I'm really excited. I think it's just mm -hmm. going to be great. I think you're going to be so, so, so successful. But for young entrepreneurs who are Thank watching you. this and for anyone really who's watching or listening to this and they want to start their own business, especially in tech where you just get a lot of issues, there's a lot of skepticism around things. What's the one piece of advice that you'd give them? Yeah, um, I would say for one thing, uh, in the early days, 
everyone's going to think you're crazy, especially if you think you see something uh, that other people don't see. I guess to be more explicit around what I mean by that is uh, usually you don't want to solve a problem that exists completely today. You want to solve a problem that's going to get worse in the future and your solution will need to have to exist. Uh, so that's what I did, right? Like five years ago when I built Immersed, yeah, people, I mean, remote work wasn't crazy popular, um, but I knew that it was getting worse. And so that's when I was like, all right, well, at some point remote work is going to be a huge need. Um, and then obviously COVID it was a catalyst and then obviously, yeah, whatever. Um, so it worked out for me, but all that to say, like, I think that people will be very quick to discourage you. Um, I would get around a lot of other founders. I would get around a lot of other um, people who are very familiar with the tech startup world. Um, like you mentioned, the, some of the five people who are around you are essentially what make up you. Um, and so, yeah, make sure that the people around you, and the people who are indoctrinating you are people who um, understand that world. Because at the end of the day, like you're just not going to be able to build an extraordinary company if you're just hanging out only with ordinary people. I'm not saying to um, not hang out with ordinary people or not like not have relationships with people who don't build companies. But I'm just saying that if you want to learn about how to build companies, you probably wouldn't learn about that from people who exactly. haven't done it. It's about having those people in your life as well. It's not about cutting everyone in your life who doesn't want to be an entrepreneur. It's actually just yeah. about seeking advice from yeah. the right people to make sure that you're on the right path. Great. Well, Renji, it's been honestly a pleasure to talk to you. I'm so excited to see what you do. It's going to be cooler than you think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be, yeah, you're just going to put on the glasses. You're going to be like, wow, this is awesome. And as soon as you're done with it, you take it off. That's it. Exactly. Well, I'm sure I'll meet you in the metaverse. Yeah. I'm sure when I get my headset, I'll be picking on your door, be like, hey, it's me outside. <laughs> um, but no, it was really great to speak to you. I yeah. wish you all the best. Yeah. And I'll hopefully see you in the metaverse soon. Yeah, thanks so much. Talk soon. See you. Bye. Bye.